This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Respect for the bird is at an all-time high. Let's give it up one more time for the bird. And that is the word. Listen, more people got us in the Super Bowl. More people got us winning the NFC East. And it's just that I I just haven't seen this type of respect for the bird since 2017. Maybe even 2004 when we got T.O. Listen, the bird has been trending upward ever since they traded for A.J. Brown. And he's been great. Although this game, you know, this game, he he was good. He caught a touchdown. But Devontae Smith, unbelievable. He was outstanding. That, That touchdown at the end of the half, that was big. That might have, you know, won us the game. We're talking about the difference between possibly an eight-point game and at the end of the game, maybe, and a 16, 17-point game. But, hey, you know, shout-out to to the commanders. Once again, the Bird, the Eagles, and their fans took over FedEx Field because we own the place. You trash. We own the big circus tent. You weren't messing with us that day. Man, I had a good old time. See, Everyone knew it was going to be more Eagles fans than Commanders fans. I mean, from FedEx Field to Philly, give or take, it's two and a half hours, three hours. It's nothing to drive down to D.C. or to what's name and go right back. And the stadium's right off the highway? Easy money. But what you're underestimating is there's a lot of DMV Eagles fans. You gotta you gotta realize that too. So you so you take the people who come from Philly and then the people who are already here. Look 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 what happened. See, man, I knew what time it was when the commanders were coming out and the booze far outweighed the cheers. I was like, man, the commanders have no answers for this the washington sitcom have no answer for this they in trouble and then the first time wentz went back in center because um i think the commanders had the ball first so as soon as wentz got up to to start the possession loud booze he was booed on like every play for like the first two possessions. I was like, man, the Eagles fans really showed up. And at the end of the game, all the players and the coaches was like, it felt like home. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> if that was the energy at FedEx Field, just imagine the rematch in November in Philly. Oh my God, it's going to be insane. Eagles definitely got to win that one. You can't lose that one. I I promise you. Now, I've been to two Eagles commanders game or sitcom games. 
in Philly. I'm telling you, the amount of Washington fans that show up in Philly is not even close, bro. It's, it may be a speck of them, maybe 10%, compared to the 50 60% of Eagles fans that be at FedEx Field. This is the same thing in baseball. Well, not the exact same thing, but there'll be a lot of Phillies fans at Nationals Park. But yet, when I go to Citizens Bank, I can count on two hands the amount of Nationals fans I see at Citizens Bank. I may not, may not even be able to count on two hands. I could count on one hand. The last time I went, I swear to God, I saw like four Nationals fans. I guess the Philly fans travel better and support their team a little bit more, especially when they're winning. I mean, it's not like the Phillies are doing all that, doing all that much better than the Nationals. I mean, they got a game and a half wild card lead. I'll, I'll talk about that later, but still, the support is there. <laughs> what a joke! Now, the first half of the Eagles Commanders, it started off slow, had me a little worried, but then the second half, Eagles turned up, and that's the Eagles that's been, you know, not dominating, but that's the Eagles that's been hard to stop. Just bang, 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 right down the field. Kind of remind me of the Sooners offense. Talk about them soon, too. It's just that I I loved it. Jalen Hurts was spectacular. He didn't turn the ball over. One of his best games. And some of them throws to Devontae Smith were outstanding. Now, that toe tap on the sideline, I think it was the second quarter. No, it was the first quarter. That could have been called back, but Ron Rivera was loafing and didn't put his hand on a challenge flag in time. That was a that was a beautiful throw. Commanders did okay stopping the run. Miles Sanders only had like 40 yards. Jalen Hurts didn't really run at all, but he had over 300 yards passing. I just love this game. And what really surprised me, six sacks in the first half. Now, if you remember the last show, when I was going through matchups of each position group, I said I give our D-line the advantage over Washington's O-line. I didn't think it was that big of an advantage. They were all over wins. Six sacks in the first half. What? I loved it. I've never seen anything like it. I think in in the second half... The adjustment that Washington Commanders made was they started doing like not three step drops, but they started getting into their five, seven step drops and then the ball would come out. The ball came out faster and the O-line blocked a little bit better, but the ball came out faster. Better intermediate routes and they started hitting those deep out routes to the sideline. Much better second half from the commander's offense. But that's what they've been doing the entire season. Against Jacksonville, once they turned the ball over a few times and started losing, that's when Carson Wentz turned up and they ended up stealing the game. Against the Lions, got down 22-0. It was a lot like the game against the Eagles. And then they came out firing in the second half. And the next thing you know, It's a seven-point game. This is what I was afraid of 
in the second half with the bird. Especially since they took their foot off the gas. And, you know, commanders made their adjustment on defense. I swear, every DB but Benjamin St. Juice played a shaky game for the commanders. But this is the commanders. Once you get past the front four, you're good. And even the front four wasn't that great on Sunday. We got them. We got them out the way. And, and thank God that the Eagles made that stop on fourth and one, fourth and goal at the one. Thank God. Now, we got a safety after that because we haven't been running the ball very well, and we tried to run out the end zone. Not sure what happened there, but Deron Payne just came through like a bat out of hell and just slammed Miles Sanders to the ground. Yeah, that's how they got two, and then they finally put together a scoring drive and got eight. The second half was 8-0 commanders, but we took our foot off the gas, especially after the touchdown drive. So the thing I know is with the Eagles is they've yet to have to play from behind. They did briefly against the Lions, but they've yet to have to play from behind, and they've coasted in the third and fourth quarter the last two games. But, hey, I'm still happy to be 3-0. and and the Commanders, 1-2, and two, they can beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys won their last two games without Dak Prescott. Still, still, they might be, they might still be in trouble because the Commanders might find something, and if the Cowboys get the lead and they start figuring out how to block that pass rush, I swear Car- Carson Wentz could battle back and um, just like the Jaguars game, possibly could steal that game. Or even like the Lions game, seven-point game. And if the kicker makes the field goal in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, that's an eight-point game with two minutes to go. They might they might have stole that one. I'm picking the Commanders to beat the Cowboys. I don't totally believe in Cooper Rush. And the Commanders will want to prove something and want to get back on track after this disaster but at the end of the day despite me being worried about the bird maybe falling on their face they're 3-0 they're 3-0 they're one of two undefeated teams i can't believe this is life of course they're going to beat the jaguars on sunday now the jaguars have won their last two games if they had played like this in washington I would still be in my survivor pool, but they did not. So I, I was eliminated. Going to try again next year. <laughs> Man, I just didn't play in enough survivor pools. I was playing games. If the D-line can play like they did against the commanders, they're going to give Jacksonville problems. The commanders gave Jacksonville problems in the fourth quarter. Once they took the lead because Trevor Lawrence was getting harassed and he just couldn't get the ball out. And that's how they end up losing. The Jaguars, I think the Eagles will win this game by 7 to 10 points. Yeah, decent offense. The defense is underrated. Okay, the defense is underrated. They forced, what, three turnovers against the Commanders? Then against the Colts, they shut out the Colts. 
And then they held. Now Justin Herbert was hurt now, but they held the Chargers to ten points. Listen, man. Here's the thing, though. Has any of these teams? Well, yeah, they did limit Jonathan Taylor, and I guess I didn't hear anything from the Chargers. Can we run the ball on Jaguars? That is the thing. Can we run the ball against the Jaguars? Because the three teams that played them before haven't. And we didn't run the ball against the Commanders. I think this offense have evolved to a point where we can do it all. You want to go, you want to force us to pass the ball? A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. And Jalen Hurst has improved as a passer. That's not a good move. And then, then, you know, you get lulled to sleep a little bit. We put in Quez Watkins. We going deep. Jalen Hurts missed Quez Watkins on a play by like an inch. He catches the ball. That's another touchdown. Y'all in trouble. The bird is the word. And they are here to stay. I kept saying, you know what? We're bare minimum going to the second round. Was I ready to say we're going to the Super Bowl? Mm, I think at the beginning of the year, I had us in the NFC Championship. But definitely winning the division. And that's on everything. Don't believe in the boys. Or the Giants who just lost to them boys. We're going to get them. I don't care if Dak Prescott comes back. You're not beating the Burt. I predicted 11 and 6. Keep playing like this. We're going to be 13 and 4 for sure. All right. Now, let me correct some things and add some updates to the Brett Favre and Ime Idoka stories. Uh, Brett Favre, okay. Phil Bryant, I said, was the director of welfare. No, he was the former governor. Remember, all this stuff happened around 2017, 2019 before the pandemic. So he was the governor around that time until 2019. I guess he got voted out. Now, he appointed around that time a director of human services. And that was John Davis. And he was the one that's in charge that he's the one that is in charge of TANF and funds that, you know, go to welfare or, or you know, assistance for needy families and stuff. And John Davis is facing charges. Phil Bryant might be facing charges as the ex-governor. But still, him and Brett Favre was texting back and forth. And he was the one that warned Favre that using government funds illegally can put you in jail. And, you know, also found that Brett Favre was trying to get this assistance for um southern miss football to get a practice facility done i'm like man it's like because like brett Favre has enough money right but he only has but so much money government help would be great but see i guess he was coached through it with um phil bryan and other politicians and Nancy knew, and her son, they run something called the Mississippi Community Education Center, and they get funds from the government to do what they do. So they were able to get funds from the government. They were able to send it to Favre, and, you know, 
that's just part of this whole scandal of just funds being government funds being sent to people that for the wrong reasons pretty much that's that's pretty much it so more is going to come out you know and i think Favre got himself in trouble because it seemed like he'll just do anything to get his projects done whether it's for his daughter who isn't even at um who isn't even at Southern Miss anymore. She's at LSU. She don't even play indoor volleyball anymore. She plays beach volleyball. He'll go through the ends of the earth to make sure his stuff gets done. Even if it toes the line of being illegal. Not good. And people will not let him forget it. I feel like his heart may be in the right place, but it's just the way you go about it is, is shaky. But like I said, we'll we'll get all the facts and then we'll keep you know making our judgments. But a lot of people's minds are made up. This dude is evil. He never was a good person. I don't know, man. I I, I still need to see more. But from the looks of it, it's just he's either once again. He's either really naive or this guy is shady and sneaky or he just or he just is none of this stuff. And he was just caught up in the passion and in the emotion of the whole project and didn't really think anything through. We're all guilty of that sometimes. And sometimes. There's no coming back from that. It'll get you in serious trouble. Thinking with a lot of emotion, thinking, acting with a lot of emotion and not logic will get you in trouble sometimes. And sometimes you can't come back from it. So you just got to be careful with that. Now, Ime Doka, the update with that is the travel planner, the one that was helping Nia Long move to Boston was the one he was involved with but he was involved with other women too and we don't really know who that is but wow so she was talking to Nia Long and being involved and helping her out the whole time while she was helping out Nia Long this woman was having improper relationships with Ime Udoka that's crazy man that's sick Oh my God, what are we doing here? That's, oh man, that's a sick twist. And then they said Nia Long didn't find out till the public found out? Wow. And that, um, the whistleblower, it's either a player that was disgruntled or it was the husband of the woman that's at the center of this that had the improper relations with Emei Udoka, it was probably the husband. Come on, man. Your wife is cheating. Of course you're going to be mad. Of course you're going to blow this whole thing up. Because it just ain't right. That's crazy, man. Um, Just got to... I don't know. I mean, we pray for everyone involved. Pray for everyone involved. That everyone learn from this. Everyone comes back stronger and 
learns from their mistakes because this this is pretty bad. And we're probably going to learn more as the times go along. This also has got Malika Andrews caught up because she she took the side of the woman really hard. She took a really hard feminist stance. I got to look at the whole tape of her and Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins. But it's not looking good for her. NBA Twitter is on her behind. And NBA Twitter and black culture Twitter is on her behind. And it's not good. It's not looking good for Malika Andrews. They're even they're even wishing that Rachel Nichols come back. Oh, man, she really messed up now. But I'm going to... I'm just going to stop talking about it because it ain't even that serious. It's just a bunch of a bunch of stuff that barely has anything to do with basketball. <laughs> OK. Now. The Sooners. Choked. Game over. Wow. But this don't even hurt as bad as the other times we lost to Kansas State. It just doesn't. Those losses have kind of desensitized me to a loss like this. Because ever since 2010, because I've been a fan since 2010, we've lost to Kansas State a whopping four times. Actually, five, right? No, four, 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 four. We've lost to Kansas State four times, three times at home. So those losses, and I was at two of those games, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's see, I'm used to this. Mansion in the hills, I'm so used to this. Yeah, they're going to be singing again. But seriously, man, like this has happened too many times. It's to the point now where I'm like, just on to the next one, man. On to the next one. It's a long season. This is what OU does. They lose a game. It seemed like they weren't supposed to lose on paper. And usually it's to Kansas State. Um, and it's just the way they lost. Just really disappointing. Um, DG was just inaccurate at times. And every time we got something going on offense, we'd have a dumb penalty, whether it be a holding or a false start. Just when I was watching alone, we had four false starts. And I didn't start watching until like the third quarter. Four false starts alone. I can't imagine before that. Just completely undisciplined on offense and on defense. People taking bad angles. People not getting off blocks. I, I'm just beside myself. But I should be used to this because this is what happens literally every year. Unbelievable. And you know what? It, it, history has also helped me deal with all the Twitter reaction and the media reaction, them hyping up our loss and people saying we're overrated People saying, oh, I'm glad they lost because their fans are annoying and we don't want to see them in the playoffs because they're going to get to the playoffs and get blown out. Oh, great. Now, Kansas State is ranked. They ain't that good. Let's be real. Matter of fact, they're going to lose to Texas Tech. I said it here first. So I'm like, 
what has happened before has really prepared me for a moment like this. And the loss isn't even that serious to me. It hurt at first, but then I was over it. I mean, the Eagles helped with that too. But this is what I'm used to. Now, let's beat TCU. They're not at, they're, well, they're about the same level probably as Kansas State. Let's beat TCU. Definitely beat Texas. And then we got to beat Kansas. Like, we, we got we to gotta keep going. We got to move on to the next one. It's going to be a long season, and the title is still up for grabs. I haven't seen anyone pull away from the Big 12 yet. Everyone's still in it. So we're going to be fine. And if you win the Big 12, history says you're at least one game away from the playoffs. The Sooners will be fine. And we're going to run that bandwagon right through your team's field. And there's nothing you can do about it. We're coming to Fort Worth. And then we're coming to Dallas. And we're going to sweep it. You better recognize. The soon ain't going nowhere. And all you OU fans crying. I better not see no death threats from anyone I follow. Because I'm going to follow you. And I don't even like unfollowing people. Man, leave these guys alone, man. All you grown people really going off on college students like that. I mean, I know, you know, people born and, and bred in Oklahoma. I know they're, they're bigger fans of the team than I am because it's, 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 it's their life. They were raised that way. But, man, ain't that serious, bro. Remember when we went to the playoffs with Jalen Hurts? We lost to Kansas State. And what happened? We ran the table and ended up in the playoffs. We can literally do the same thing once again, especially since they are overrating Oklahoma State and Baylor. And don't be surprised if Texas get ranked again. I'm telling you, man, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Kansas State got their little win off of us. Then they're probably going to lose three or four more times like they usually do. They not that good. There's no way they're going to keep running for They ran for 275 yards. Their quarterback ran for their quarterback was their leading rusher because this, this is ridiculous. I want you to look at these stats. They're pretty much even offensively. We were right there with them. We ran for just as many yards. We passed for more yards. Dylan Gabriel didn't have an interception, but he had some missed throws that were that were head scratching. Um Adrian Martinez ran for 148. I know I was talking about Deuce Vaughn, but Adrian Martinez ran for 148, and the the long run, his longest run, came at a third and 16, us down seven. We needed to make that stop. We let him run for 55. What? I wish I was making that up. Soon has got to tighten up, and they will, because the man, the myth, the legend, Brent Venables. Is going to whip them in the shade. And then you got my boy Smitty. And, and Lebby. Listen. They're going to get them straight. We're going to be fine. This is Sooner football. It's one game. We're going to be fine. Quit all this crying. <laughs> anyway, man. Anyway, next thing, man. Jesus Christ. Y'all getting me worked up. Y'all getting me worked up. Appalachian State lost again. They're 2-2, two two, but could easily be 4-0. Oh. 
Because all their games were close. Well, they could be 0-4, too, to be fair. But all their games, so 2-2 two and two is perfect. <laughs> all their games were one-score games. Okay. Uh, if I go over it again, you know, North Carolina, that was a thriller. That was 63-61. They upset Texas A&M. They beat Troy on a Hail Mary. Then they come out against J- James Madison. And James Madison, you know, James Madison, Appalachian State. If you remember, 15, 20 years ago, they were both FCS powers. Now they're both in the FBS and they're both in the Sun Belt. Two really good programs. James Madison was down 28 to 3. No Jalen Hurts to save them. They didn't need Jalen Hurts. They ended up winning by four after being down being down 28 to 3. Appalachian State is always something with this team. Very exciting team. It's it's I swear, man. I swear. I mean, I, I I thought I thought the Washington sitcom was entertaining. Man, this Appalachian State, this this I, I say it's a drama. This Appalachian State drama series is really dope. You gotta tune in every week. Screw all the shows you watch on Netflix. You need to watch Appalachian State every week. Cause man, what an exciting team. Two and two, though, man, I wonder how they're going to do the rest of the season. Because as of now, two and two, I mean, I I think they're definitely going to make a bowl game. But whether they're going to whether they're going to make a New Year's six or anything, I don't know. What a team. What a team to follow. All right. Real quick. I can't believe I put this in the middle of the lineup. But big brother. So Taylor won big brother. And I have mixed emotions about it because Taylor went through a lot this this season. Now, she was that person week one where the whole house didn't like. Like it, if you're in a social setting in a group and nobody likes you, I don't care how mentally strong you are. Most likely you're going to fold. You're going to feel the brunt of that. And she did. And it was for, you know, questionable reasons. She was able to benefit from the miracle of uh, Paloma quitting. That helped her. They changed up the game. Then Pooch made himself a target by just being an idiot and running running his mouth. And then, you know, she escaped that. She's supposed to be the target the next week. And then... The leftovers were created, the big seven-person alliance that dominated the game, and then Taylor ends up with them, and basically from that point forward, she was not a target until they decided to do this twist where they split the house up into two groups, outside and inside, and she kind of became the target briefly, but then Kyle got outed for possibly being racist. Most of y'all are going to say not possibly he is a racist. Mm, I, I guess, man. His thinking was racist that there was another cookout group forming that there was a 
person of color alliance and he subconsciously wanted to form a white person alliance. I'm not going to get into that. That's um I think that was just ignorance on his part. It, part of his ignorance, part of it is I literally just saw it happen. It was so iconic and I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening again, but if you read the house, them guys were not on the same page. They couldn't even fake like they were possibly could ever be in an alliance. There were just too many factions among the people of color for that to happen. So he was off base with that one. He was just he was just he was just off base. But Taylor got through that because the target shift to Kyle. And then after that, she pretty much coasted till the end. She avoided Brittany kind of targeting her at the end. Uh, Brittany wanted to keep Alyssa over her. She escaped that. I think she escaped that because I think she won HOH. And also, uh, Monty wanted to keep her. Her being close with Monte at the end basically won her the game because she was able to get away from Brittany. Michael lost. Michael was a big shield for her. She had a final three with Michael and Brittany. She was able to ride that until Michael lost. And then she was able to attach herself with Monty. And Monty was beasting out with all these comps and brought her to the end over Turner, which I thought it was the right move at the time. But just like Monty, we weren't thinking that the jury was not going to vote based off gameplay. That they were going to vote on the, the story. The story and basically out of Turner, Monte, and Taylor, Taylor was the nicest person had the best social game. And, you know, she went through a lot. You know, she was put through a lot. And she was on the block six times. And she persevered and somehow made it to the final two. That story was so powerful, the whole jury decided to vote her for the win. Despite the fact that Monte won more comps. It was an integral part of creating the seven-person alliance and, and making sure it survived. I mean, he was the better game player, but Taylor had the better social game. And she seemed like the perfect person to make history of being the first black woman woman to win a regular season of Big Brother. It could have been a few other women, but they they choked. But um, she was the first woman black woman to win a regular season of big brother congrats to her and also the the women in the jury definitely wanted to vote for her over monte and turner just i think they just like her more i think it was politics bro but then again when you're dealing with social stuff politics is important because monte was a better player period this happens this this happens this happens way too many times where the person who had the slightly better social game 
wins over the person that had the best all-around game. It's just the game. You know, it is what it is. Just going to have to live with it. Congrats to Taylor. Made history. Made a lot of people proud. And she won America's favorite player. First person to win the game and America's favorite player. 800K. Jeez. Now, we can put this in the back burner. These guys are probably hanging out with all the alums and celebrities. And they're going to have their month of fun. And, you know, celebrating and partying and networking. While the rest of us are going to watch some football and some basketball. And then we're going to move on from Big Brother. Because there's other things that we need to be watching. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Golden L standings. The updated Golden L standings. Coming down to the home stretch. Like. In the inaugural Golden L, there's a Golden L spring summer version, which includes DC United, Washington Spirit, Washington Nationals, Washington Mystics. And there's a DC United winter and fall version, which includes the Washington Commanders, the Washington Wizards, and Washington Capital. So, for the spring summer Golden L standings, coming in last. And eliminated from contention is the Washington Mystics, 22-14. Made the playoffs, lost in the first round to a team that could have easily been in the WNBA Finals. They were about a player two away from forcing a game four, being up 2-1. And possibly winning the series. Not mad at that loss at all. Disappointed with the finish, but not mad at who lost to Washington Nationals. Trash. No, no. I guess no, 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 no. Coming in third is a Washington Spirit who somehow won another game within the last few weeks. So now they're 3, 8, and 10. They got 10 ties. So their winning percentage is .381. So the ladies are third and fourth in the standings. Coming in second is the Washington Nationals. Trash! And not even a fight for the Atlanta Braves who are trying to steal the division away from the New York Mets. Now, I won't talk about that momentarily, like very soon, once I get through the standings. But these guys, man, just... Just trash. Just just trash. They weren't meant to really win anything. You trade away all our assets. And we're just watching, you know, C.J. Abrams grow up and Joey Menenses. What a story he's been. And Luke Voigt with his St. Louis walk-up songs. You know, and we just, and also, you know, Fredericksburg in the playoffs. That's all we care about right now. Season's almost over. Thank God. So much losing. Worst season since 2009. Thank God this shit is over. Now, coming in first is DC United, 7, 19, and 6. Damn! That's seven wins, 19 losses, six ties. Absolutely trash. And they are the worst team in the East by seven points. Game over. They... Listen, they ain't coming back from that. Unless they go on a winning streak, 
They ain't coming back from that. Now, I told you about the Miami loss, which is ridiculous. But they just had a game not too long ago. Yeah, I know they lost to Kansas City. It's just that, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to any more games. I, I really doubt it because these guys are trash. They're the worst team in the league. We switched coaches, and it didn't matter. The Miami game was the last game. All right. Yeah, that was that was a crazy choke. But when you're as bad as they are, you just got to laugh because you just expect to lose, bro. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay, man. Now, like I said, the Nats, no challenge for the Braves. The Braves won 8-0. Then we scored the first two runs in last night's game, and then the Braves score eight straight. Let's not forget about the game, what was that, against the Marlins, where Joey Menentes hits a leadoff, a leadoff home run, and I think it was the Marlins, they scored six straight. I can't take this anymore. It's hard to watch. Sure, the experience of being at the game isn't bad, especially when you can win the 50-50 in which I tried to play Nats 50-50 on Monday. And what happened? I lost again. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? What can I say? Absolutely trash. But we got to make way for the realist. And that is the Mets and Braves division race. I don't like either of these teams. I hope they both choke. Anybody but these two, please. Even the Astros. I'll take another Astros title over a Mets and Braves title. Please, get them out the way. But I guess I'll enjoy this little entertainment. They got a series coming up. It's got to be this weekend because the the season's over next week. So it's got to be this weekend. And I think whoever wins this series is going to win the division. That is drama uh, I, I'll sign up for. I love that. I, I love the con- the competitive nature of this. It's going to be fire, man. Um, I don't really care who wins. I can't stand the Braves. If they win, they're the defending champs. That means they got a better chance of repeating. If the Mets win, I mean, that means they win the division. And you know their fans are going to be talking. So, there's no... You just root for entertainment. You just hope for the max drama possible. You just hope for fun and good baseball. Because I don't want either of these teams to succeed. This sucks. It makes you not want to watch baseball. Now, I don't mind the Phillies. But something to keep an eye on. Their wild card lead for the last wild card spot is only a game and a half. The Padres start playing some baseball, and they leapfrog the Phillies. I didn't see that coming, and the Phillies have lost. Have, mm, and the Phillies have lost three straight. Uh oh, choking! But luckily for them, one of uh, three of their remaining games are against the Nationals, and that's coming up. Actually, now I think the series start Friday. Because I know I can't go because I'm going to be in Ohio. 
So I can't go. Because I was looking to go to one of those games, but I can't. Listen, the Nats aren't going to win a game. Phillies are going to smoke them like they've done all season in the last, I don't know, three years. Two years, I guess. I, I'm not expecting anything different. It's going to help the Phillies. I feel bad for the Brewers because we're so bad. But you know what? Maybe I don't feel bad because, you know, if if the Brewers start winning, then Emily going to start talking and, you know. <laughs> but then again, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing because then I could tell Emily, you know, your, your Badgers suck. She's starting to realize that, thank God. And your Packers aren't going anywhere past the second round. So I dare her to talk. But yeah, uh yeah, Brewers, you're you're done. Because the Phillies are gonna beat us and they're probably gonna split well the other teams they play and you're done. Good luck next year. <laughs> now Aaron Judge Aaron Judge is just what he's doing is spectacular just look at do me a favor and look at his pro baseball reference page like i'm doing right now because it is something spectacular he leads the league and runs with 128 the exact number he had in 2017 also in 2017 he led the league in um home runs with 52 he has 60 and he needs one more to tie Roger Maris's AL record. Since some people don't really acknowledge the steroid error, to some people, if he breaks Roger Maris's record, he would be the home run king, the single season home run king. That is huge. And just every sports center is an Aaron Judge watch. And there's crowd shots of his family and Roger Maris. What a ride this has been. He can't hit one home run just or two home runs. It's going to be tough. They're going to make him work for it. I want to see it because I like seeing history being made. Would love to see it. Also, what I noticed from his page, he leads the league in RBIs with 128. That's his career high. He leads the league in walks. Of course you do. He leads the league in batting average with 314. On base percentage... 425 slugging percentage OPS which is I think on base and slugging percentage OPS plus and total basis this is ridiculous MVP 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 you already know this guy is like that it's gonna be fun to watch and they just clinched the division listen man I might have to get on this Yankees bandwagon because they're fun to watch. And they're the rivals of the Mets, and they're not in the NL East. I think I'm going to hop on that bandwagon. I know it's it's a tough bandwagon to hop on because they're, you know, one of America's teams, quote-unquote, and you either love them or hate them. And you're a super bandwagoner if you hop on that bandwagon. But it's just for the playoffs. Give me a break. The Nationals suck. I got to root for somebody. (laughs) Oh, man. You got to love it. Just keep watching. Uh, Hopefully, he gets it. The season ends next week. So, you know, hopefully he picks up the pace and gets the record. 
birthday bowl preview. My birthday is tomorrow, September 29th. Hopefully, I can get this episode out by tomorrow. We'll see. I don't know. It just depends on what I do on the plane and maybe getting ready for the flight. Um, We'll see. Hopefully, I can get it out. If not, it'll for sure be out on the 30th. I promise. Anyway, I decided to go to Thursday Night Football for my birthday. And it's Bengals and Dolphins, like I said, when the schedule came out. I think my early predictions was the Bengals. Well, from what I've seen so far, the the Dolphins are a better team. And Tua's banged up. But Tua's banged up, yeah. Still, even though the Dolphins have been the better team so far, I still have the Bengals winning. And I have the Bengals winning 27-21 tomorrow. I'll be there. Um, It should be a good game. Should be a good game. Um, Yeah, man. I'm excited. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and that passing attack. Here's the thing, though. You know what's underrated? The Dolphins rushing attack. Can they get that going? And it's just going to make them more dangerous in the passing game. Uh, the Bengals offense has been shaky. Can they take care of the ball? You know, they they got a pretty prolific offense themselves. Hopefully Joe Mixon plays. I think he got taken out of one of these games. I know because I have him in fantasy. Um, Jamar Chase I got on like two teams. Of course, this is fantasy heaven. Higgins playing, Burrow's playing, Chase is playing, Mixon's playing, uh, Tyreek Hill's playing, Jalen Waddle's playing. I'm sure people have Gasecki. I'm sure people have both defenses. It, it's a fantasy fantasy heaven. But it, it's I think the team that turns the ball over less is going to win the game at the end of the day. I say that. When the Bengals almost won a game where they had five turnovers. But I think it's going to be for real this time. Like, I still think the Bengals are going to win. They're the hungrier team. Miami's undefeated. The Bengals, even though the Dolphins are better, they're at home. It's prime time. They're a tough team to beat, even though they lost their first two. I don't know how they lost to the Cowboys. It's just, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I just think at the end of the day, the Bengals are going to do just enough to win this game. They're going to do just enough. And they definitely need this win. You can't chance going one and three in this. Even though the division's kind of shaky. I mean, the Browns are two and one. The Ravens are two and one. The Steelers are one and two. I mean, it's it's a close it's it's a close division. Not out of it, but, I mean, it'd be better to be 2-2, two and two. okay? I, I'm just going with the home team. I think that they're going to use that the home crowd to their advantage. And I think uh, Miami secondary is definitely going to be tested like they haven't before all season. So, um. I got I got the Bengals. Just just too much firepower at the end of the day, and they're at home. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm going with that. Wouldn't be surprised if Miami won, won since they're the better team. But I think at the end of the day, the Bengals got it there at home. Uh, let's see. Oh, the conference schedule finally came out for Big 12 basketball. Finally. And OU in Kansas, in Kansas, is January 10th. I am I verbally committed to going to this game. So it's on a weekday this time. So it's going to be a midweek trip. I plan to leave like Monday and come back home on Wednesday. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, hopefully I get my finances together and make this happen because I can't wait. Uh, hopefully this is the year that OU basketball finally goes into Kansas and wins. They haven't done it since 1993. I mean, come on. I was like five months old. Not even kidding. Hopefully this is the year, even though on paper, it seems like another L is coming. But I believe. And I'm going to make this trip all the way out there in the cold, in the dark. Because if if you've been to Lawrence, ain't much going on out there. Outside of the college. So I'm going to make this trip and just hope for the best. (laughs) I'm excited. All right. Last thing before getting to the GOAT level combo. The Pro Bowl games. Instead of the actual Pro Bowl, there's going to be the Pro Bowl games. A week of. A week of skills competitions. Remember, they used to have a lot of those back in the day. A week of skill competitions and a flag football game. We had to do something because the Pro Bowl was hard to watch. They weren't even trying. It was a joke. It was like a flag football game anyway. I don't know what they're going to do with the linemen. But as far as flag football is concerned, let's see how that goes. Maybe that's going to work. Um, On paper... This seems like an okay idea. It got to do something because you're just you're leaving money on the table by having terrible ratings in the Pro Bowl. I'm just saying people still watch it, but not as many as they could be. Watching. They leave money on the table. It could be a lot more people watching the Pro Bowl. And the opinion of the Pro Bowl is very negative. It's got to be the worst all-star game. Of the major sports. Bruh. Even MLS All-Star Game is better than this. The the WNBA All-Star Game is better than this. The NBA All-Star Game is 80 times better than this. So hopefully this will help. Alright, so this episode's GOAT Level Combo is Challenge yourself to make everybody better. Maybe you can add, just take that L in there too. Just take that L, challenge yourself to make everyone around you better. If you're challenging yourself, you're trying to get better every day or every week, every month. And you're challenging yourself to be better than you were before to achieve your goals Like, that's going to have an effect on everybody else when you're at your best, especially if you're playing 
team sports. Like, the best player on my basketball team. You know, he's really good. He goes around the city playing everybody in different neighborhoods. He's played in the Goodman League. He's played in um, the Marvin Gaye Neighborhood League. I mean, those are two of the toughest leagues in the city. And because of those experiences, it makes our team better and makes us harder to beat. That's just one example. Or Michael Jordan. Why he's so tough as a teammate, he said that, he said that I'm not going to tell these guys to do anything I haven't done myself. So he's probably done all the things he's yelling at his teammates about times 10. He's put in the most work. So he's going to be this great. Challenge yourself to be great. And hopefully either by your example or just by direct coaching or encouragement, you can challenge other people to be great. Anyway, anyway, that was the GOAT level combo in the end of the episode. But go to GOATLevelTees.com, about to turn up. I'm telling you, about to turn up. You better get on the bandwagon. Well, it's never too late to get on the bandwagon. Never too late. It's just that the longer you're on the bandwagon, the more you're going to benefit from being on the bandwagon. So you already know that I'm out. GoatLevelTees.com. But I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.